Hi, I'm Maria Theohara Silvello Sos on social media. Welcome back to Say Over 50 podcast on Soul Organized Style. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay respects to the elders past and present. Many thanks for the ongoing support from the Patreon community for Soul Organized Style podcast. Your ongoing support every month keeps me developing these podcasts so you and our listeners can hear from sellers from all walks of life. So Over 50 intersects with all sewing communities. We're a community that is so over ageism. Our focus is the sewing talent each person shares on social media and providing recognition of their willingness to share their skills, whether a beginner or an experienced sewist. The So Over 50 community is positively leading by being visible in the sewing community. Rosie at Artwork Project is today's Sober 50 podcast guest. Thank you for inviting me to your home today, Rosie. And here she is. Hello. Hi, Rosie. How are you? Oh, good. Thanks, Maria. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Nice to see you. Lovely to see you. And I'm guessing that you have artwork right behind you. I do. Yes. (laughs) It's all through the house. You do amazing artwork. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. The amazing thing is we both live in Sydney, but I've really met you a couple of times in Melbourne. I know. But do you remember the very first Proctels in Sydney? Because I met you then. We are wearing a mesh fabric jumpsuit ahead of your time. <laughs> it was good that we all got together. Yeah, the very first one. What were you wearing then? It was a long sort of ankle length cut in shoulders dress with sequined snakeskin print. It was like a Dries Van Noten fabric, but I really liked it. I finished it that afternoon. <laughs> of course. And there was my very first social sewing thing, and I was so nervous to go, but so excited. Like even though I felt like throwing up, I really wanted to be there. Like today, here, now. <laughs> oh, no, you weren't feeling like that, were you? A little bit, yeah. I, I'm horrible at sort of the whole public speaking in front of people thing. Oh, I'm sorry. As an artist, how is sewing part of your works? It's very much a part of my work, basically because I'm making things with my hands, which I've done since I was very, very small all my life, compulsive making. And the fine motor control that you develop through sewing is also that goes through to artwork for drawing and painting and all sorts of things. My work is not just painting or just drawing. I make objects and things. So I'm going across a lot of different media from oil paint to plaster and resin and the whole thing. Hands and tools are exactly the same as sewing in terms of fine motor or even gross motor when you're wrangling with pieces of fabric or whatever. And I've used a lot of embroidery and applique in my artwork. And I've, with embroidery, I've done really large scale things where I've made my own thread. So I've gilded plastic tubing and done, you know, huge embroideries on big canvases or played with patterns on Photoshop and then expanded them and changed them and then projected them up and cutting them out of fabric and then appliqueing onto canvas. So there's a lot of crossover for me. And really, if I feel like sewing or if something comes to me, then I'll I just want to do it at the expense of other things. Less so, I must say, over the last year or so, because I've been doing some different things. The last couple of weeks, I've been down tools in the studio and I've been sewing and it's been fantastic. It's really great. Does this mean that you've removed some of the projects from your sewing queue? Yes, yes. I've got through things because all last year I was making a lot of jewellery. I had to really concentrate on it to see if I could make a go of it. So I didn't do hardly any sewing at all last year. But 
I was busy accruing fabrics to compensate for that. So, oh, I just love this. I could make, you know, whatever out of it. I've got a stash of, you know, it's not grand proportions, but it's certainly substantial. And I've made inroads into that. Then it's been really good. Does your art move across into art on fabric for you to then wear? Yes, I've done digital prints. My favourite is a painting that I made of my dog. His name is Puppy. She's now left us and we still miss her and talk about her every day like I am now. And I had that digitally printed onto some Ponty and I made a long skirt out of it and I loved it. I wore it all the time. The the Ponty wasn't the best quality, unfortunately, so it, it did get used up as it were. Yeah, I loved that. And I have done a lot of embroidery onto my clothes and not so much painting though. And I'd like to try that. I'd like to do like sort of a crackle effect. I saw a Balenciaga years ago. They had a haute couture collection. They're making black rib clothing. So like a black rib top and then caked it in white paint and then cracked it. And I really love that. And I saved it from years ago. And I was just thinking about that recently. And also there was a Tom Ford dresses. He did black stretch clothing, fairly fitted, and he cut out some amazing patterns. And also I think Dolce Gabbana have done that and applicated these beautiful shapes onto fabric and um, that's still on my to-do list. So does this mean you have a sewing mood board? Yes, I have my PDF pattern file hardwired onto my documents. You wouldn't believe how often I go and um, pet them. The file called Fashion and Fabrics, which is separate to the PDF patterns, but that is well populated. But still, you know, things that are genuine uh, years and years later, I still want to do. So there's a lot of inspiration out there. So it does sound like sewing is one of your lifelong hobbies. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. From when I was very small, really small, I remember making with my sister a toy. It was like a stuffed toy with a star-shaped head. And I was doing long stitch. We lived in, in Papua New Guinea, so there's no sewing machine, but we made a lot of things by hand. So I remember learning how to backstitch with my sister. Yeah, my mum always sewed and my grandmother was the first one to do a pattern with me to take it through as a pair of hot pants. And I was, I was 13 or 14, loved them, absolutely loved them. And that was the first time I'd gone from fabric to laying out on the floor and pinning with heaps and heaps of pins which I don't do anymore, all of the pattern pieces and cutting out and sewing and, and then wearing with, with just such pride. I just loved them so much. It never stopped. You know, it's just always been something I've done. Rosie, how did you develop your online name? Artworker Projects, that came from my Instagram name, which is the artworker term is one that has always made a lot of sense to me when I was an art student in the late 80s. There was an arts advocacy group called Art Workers, the Queensland Art Workers Alliance, and I just loved it. I was quite a communist then, and I smashed the state, and I just loved it. You know, they're art workers, just like they were factory workers, and what we did was work. It was a viable profession, and it, it always has been my profession, and I just loved the solidarity of it. You know, we're all in it together, and there was some power in that, that we were forced for arts advocacy and money and all kinds of support, that there was a group who was fighting for that. So Art Worker was something I've always had, Rosie, my maiden name, I was an art worker. So then it came to Instagram and I've always made little projects of things, like something I really want to make, so I make it. So that's been a little project. So it was Art Worker Projects because sewing had started on social media. That just made sense to me, Art Worker Projects. It's what I do. Rosie, where can we find you online? I have my website, artworkerprojects.com and artworkerprojects on Instagram. 
there's someone in your family who restores vintage sewing machines. Who's that? Yes, my husband. <laughs> it's um unexpected sort of turn of events. When pit trading, they moved from their store in Rockdale and they had an interesting sewing machine they used for window dressing and they just put a call out on social media. If anyone wants this, you have to come pick it up. And I said, oh, my God, I want that because I started sewing on an old singer, my grandmother's old singer with a knee control. And I only got a modern machine when I wanted to do zigzag and my old one just couldn't handle it. So I wanted to get another old singer. And I saw it and I said, yeah, yeah, I'll come and get it. It was about like three quarters of an hour drive in the end from where we live. And we picked it up. It was this beautiful green singer and with a, with a table and everything. We bought that, took it home. And my husband said, look, I'll just give it a really good clean. That it looks like it's working. I'll just clean it up. And so he took it apart and he labeled everything and he set it out in this sort of explosion of bits and pieces. So he knew exactly where everything was going to go back together. And he cleaned it and he put it back together and it didn't work. <laughs> So he took it to this lovely man called Mal, who's since retired, who did sewing machine services and repairs. And they just got on really well. He was bitten by a bug of vintage sewing machines and he just loves it. He just absolutely loves it. And he's actually now got a viable business going here as a side hustle. And he buys them. He spends hours and hours on Gumtree and Facebook Marketplace and eBay. You know, he often come home with a sewing machine (laughs) in the boot of the car and we've got, I don't know, 10 or 11 of them here at the moment. He buys them and then cleans them up and makes them go and then on fills them. Sometimes, you know, he'll sell them with still needing a service. Mm-hmm. He just lavishes them with love. And they're really interesting. Lately, he's been getting some old Elna machines and they were made in the sort of the 40s and 50s and they're very much of the munitions factory era. In Europe, some factories were made to manufacture aircraft or tanks and things like that. And some of those factories, they made sewing machines. And some sewing machine factories were used to make munitions. So they've got this fantastic army aesthetic and they're quite blocky and constructivist and just fascinating things because they look like machines. They don't look like the modern computer things at all. They're they're really quite beautiful. Is that that green, Elma? Yes. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Isn't it? It's so special. Grasshopper. They're um, very collectible. Here's a story I'll tell. Mm. So I go to a local sewing group and I've got a Janome gem, which is a smaller version of my Janome at home. That's like the workhorse. A lot of sewers now travel and they'll sew with friends or they'll have a sewcation. And mm. they're always looking to find smaller versions of what they have. And the one that always comes up is the the Lotus. Yes. Has your husband ever come across no but it's on his list he's very interested in the lotus so if anyone has it get in touch he's found some incredibly beautiful machines some with the gold decals on the black that is just extraordinary some of the old singers have that egyptian patterns and extraordinary variety but some of the older ones like the elmers and lots of beautiful old machines they made millions of them like with those singers we think oh they're so special but they actually made millions of them so there's a lot out there so he has to be very vigilant in tracking them down (laughs) when did you discover the sober 50 community on instagram a while ago but it didn't to be honest interest me too much i just make what i make i've been aware of it for a while but more and more so since i've become over 50 and i had to start taking adjustments in my clothes always had no problem with getting things to fit before 
to size 10, size 12, and it was just straight out of the packet. And I never really got into any of the adjustments, but now I am. And I look now for people with a similar body shape, which ends up, they end up being my age. My great friend Donna, who you know, we were the only sewing friends that we had back in the day. Donna went to uni with my husband, so we've known each other a long time. She's also an architect, so she's very interested in design and fitting. And we were the only people we knew who sewed. And we'd get together seriously for hours and hours and talk about sewing. We had no one else to talk to, and I love talking about sewing. So I have become more aware and more interested in the Sew Over 50 community because these adjustments seem to be not common, but they often required in sewing for, a, for my body that has changed now for the mean. The very first one I wanted to do was a high rounded back, which I actually haven't done yet because it seems hard <laughs> because I never had to do them ever until the last few years. I kind of resent them. So I'm not really into the fitting thing, but Donna has been fantastic in helping me. We've been mastering t-shirts recently. I've come around to realizing I need a dart in a t-shirt. She has introduced me to the French dart where it starts from sort of the high waist and goes up to the bust. And that's because the t-shirts were beginning to gather between the bust and the arms on the armhole, just above the bust. It's beginning to wrinkle up there. And I like a t-shirt to be fairly fitted around the shoulders and the bust. So these wrinkles were really cramping my style. And it was desperation that made me turn to having to maybe do some adjustments. So we have found that the French dart has just solved all the problems. And the only problem I have with it is my grief over stripy shirts. I must have seriously dozens of stripy shirts and I've made dozens of stripy shirts over the years. But when you take darts, you just can't match the stripes anymore. I find that really irksome. It really annoys me. And I've tried all sorts of stuff to get around having that dart, but it looks like it's a necessary thing. And it really helped, you know, that, that French dart. Check it out. It's easy to do, easier than a bust up because you start from below the bust and you just start pinching out the fabric from the side and under the bust. It's remarkable in that it brings down the front of the bodice. So those wrinkles just don't happen. However, I'm also having a problem with a sway back. In other words, I have to make it bigger over my ass. So there's a couple of different t-shirt adjustments that we've been perfecting and I'm getting there. In fact, I'm just about to cut one out now with my new slash and spread across the back of the bodice. The forward shoulder is another one, just a centimetre of that. And just little things like that that make making a t-shirt a little bit more of an ordeal than, not an ordeal, but it's a little bit more onerous than it used to be. I used to be able to cut out a, a t-shirt or any kind of pattern really and make something. So it's just, I always did it. That's if I wanted clothes, I would just make them because it, it just wasn't that hard. And since the fitting thing has become an issue, I've also been much more interested in trying more difficult things or mastering things that I thought were difficult, like piping or gathering things. Like there's those beautiful, fantastic patterns that have just massive amounts of gathering and really specific, like gather it between this measurement and that measurement and then attach it onto this gusset. And it's quite involved and they're tricky and there's nothing as satisfying having sorted that one out. It's really quite a thrill. It's ridiculous to say that maybe other people who so can know it and we know what I mean, like making my piping from scratch. It was really exciting and finishing it, it was just so gratifying, you know, and I was so proud of it and it just made me so happy. And also I don't need as many clothes now as I used to. So I've gone from just being able to sew whatever with whatever fabric. Now it's much more considered. It's funner in a different way. It's much richer now. And it sounds like you've been able to pick up those new skills and techniques through your relationship with Donna, as well as the information that is provided by people in the Sober 50 community. 
Yeah, yeah, very much, very much so. And also styling it is different. I don't want to wear really short skirts anymore. And just seeing, you know, how people are wearing certain patterns. You must know, you know, if you've got a pattern on your mind and you go on the Instagram kind of hashtag dive, I now look more at people who look like my age and seeing how they, you know, are carrying their clothes. Yeah, it's, it's quite inspirational now. And that influences what patterns you then buy. Yes, 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 very much. I've been really into the assembly line because I didn't realise they had darts in their things. Like they, they make that um, sweatshirt and I always loved it, but, you know, I've got this problem with this adjustment I have to make now. So, And I just realised lately that it had a dart in it. So I'm going to try that one. And they're the wrap jacket because it does up the high waist because I don't want anything near my waist these days. Uh, <laughs> it's just, and so there's a few of those things that, and they have come from me looking online on Instagram at people I like the look of who are older, whereas I just used to look at anyone. Anyone was fine. But now I look at you know how people are carrying their clothes more rather than just fashion-wise. And Donna has also yeah, taught me that you can put a dart in anything as long as you can take it out to a seam and balance it out there and it articulates out to a seam, then you can pretty much make anything fit. And it's not that hard, but it is hard to do it on yourself. So I am lucky that a, that she knows all about it. She's my sewing guru. And B, that she's, you know, she can stand there and very comfortable just to fit things on. It's been a big change in things rather than something very solitary to a very collaborative sort of sewing experience now. And I'd love to go on a sewing retreat. I just, I'm scared of people. So <laughs> maybe one will come along. I'd love to do that kind of thing. I love talking about sewing. I can do it for hours, honestly. With artwork, it's very tricky because it goes so much deeper and there's a lot of stuff to unpack and even just on a um, a technical scale, things I'm doing technically. And it's very loaded, you know, personally and professionally loaded. So sewing is just such a circuit breaker on things because I can satisfy the need to create, which has always been with me, in a way that is not intellectually challenging or maybe just is a little bit like with Pattern Fantastics designs where it is a little bit intellectually challenging and also very soothing. There's the late incredible artist called Louise Bourgeois famously said that Sewing is an act of emotional repair, and that is very, very true. I live that, and sometimes sewing is is the only thing that I can do because it's so calming and satisfying on such a personal, emotional level that is not political at all. It's a way of self-care. Yeah, absolutely. Rosie, are there any pattern designers or sewing companies that you've seen that use older models in their advertising? There are. There's Pattern Fantastic, Nita Jane. And Aitasuti, you know, Colette and Lisa. Who else is there? The assembly line, LB Textiles. She uses a man, <laughs> unisex pants. In fact, those Fremantle pants, I have made several of them. I love them. They just seem to fit. And if you have a pants pattern that works, cling to it because, you know, adjustments just are really, really, can be really annoying. I find it to be so. So who else have got? Grain line, closet core and Helen's Closet, and Stocks, which has also been a new thing, a new revelation. They're just brilliant. You know, I just I love the designs and I love how unique they are because they're made quite specifically to a design. So that really, I find that very attractive, where they've been quite considered to work in real life, but to have a kind of design integrity to them. Lindy of Stocks Pattern made a blog post because there was the Berlin Fashion Week that was happening. She's an Australian who lives in Berlin. Mm. And she made it quite clear that 
she doesn't follow fashion she follows a design idea yeah absolutely that's exactly right see this is changing as well it used to be that I was quite fabric driven or that I had a, a specific design in mind but now things having changed it's very much more design led you know I just love those pattern companies that make those really interesting well considered designs I find that to be really interesting to get into and like I say again it's so much more gratifying now that I have to work for it a bit because I've just always done it and it's always been no no real struggle to do and now that it is being it's not struggle but now that it's being a little bit more um, problematic I'm really finding it and finding these new companies and new designers to be so interesting they really interest me well said (laughs) interesting 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 You know, you're getting satisfaction out of making clothes that actually fit you. Mm. You didn't have to worry about that. That is an issue now, Mm. but you're mastering it. Yeah, and it's incredibly satisfying. The achievement, the feeling of achievement is just immense. And then I love those clothes. You know, I just love them. I wear them all the time. I have a couple of times gone through my cupboards to cull things, and I need to continue to do that. A lot of things still technically fit me, but they don't fit me, fit me because the body has moved. When I make things now like that are much more worked, I find them, I just love them. I love them so much because they just work and I love them and the fabric and everything is happening and um, it's it's much more special now. Yeah, I just love wearing them. It just feels like such a triumph. (laughs) This T-shirt, look, it's got French darts. It fits. Fantastic. So the final question is, what advice would you give people who sew that have an artistic flair and want to branch out with their sewing? If I have kind of an idea, and I think I might kind of know how to start it, the best thing to do is start and to make a mistake, ruin it, just break something. I always just think to myself, break it, break something first, because then you're in and then you can start working it out. Also up, uh, upskilling. I found piping to be really, really satisfying to do. I just couldn't believe it when I figured out how to do it. It was quite simple, really. But it was always one of those scary things that we really advanced sewers would do, and it's not. You can do it. It looks fantastic. It's not hard. The first thing I made, I kind of broke, you know. <laughs> it was just over and over again trying to, I had to keep sewing really close to the piping. And in some places, there's hardly any piping at all, and then it was just blowing out in other places. But I loved that. And it stopped me being scared of doing it. It wasn't so impenetrable. It was something I could just get into. So I would say, yeah, sort of try try something that is, I I hate the term outside your comfort zone, but having a new challenge is the way creativity is formed. Creativity comes from creation. So if you are making something, other things will get made and that flow starts to happen. The most crucial thing you can do is to start. And if you don't know where to start, then start by doing something that's probably wrong. You know, it's probably nothing like it, but you could be like this. So, yeah, and just break into it. There is an artist, um, I just now I can't remember her name, but I've heard her say that if you can't, with, with painting, if you don't know what to do, if you can't resolve a piece, then take away the best thing about it. And that's hard and it's not a life hack in any way. <laughs> but it can it can work if you you break something or ruin it or just simply cold-bloodedly take the best thing about it away you're in you know you have something to work with 
Rosie, thank you for talking us through how you now manage to get more enjoyment from sewing through your friendship with Donna as well as the people who provide details on the Sew50 account. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's it's gold. Absolute gold. And all of your inspirational quotes. <laughs> There's Louise Bourgeois who said, sewing is an act of emotional repair. Yeah. And it could not be true words spoken. Exactly. Well, thanks, Maria, for having me. <laughs> well, thank you for giving me your time today. I know you're it's, busy. But... No, no, it's so nice to see you and it's so nice to talk about sewing. I love talking about sewing. I really do. Talking about darts, who else can you speak to that understands finding a new dart structure? It does, <laughs> there's a very specific group of people who know what you're talking about. You go, yeah, right, I know, yeah. And this is so fun. It's just sewing is something I have always loved doing. It's always answered something in me. And I love nice clothes. I love fashion. And I could never, to begin with, I could never afford what I wanted. So sewing was, yeah, it, I was something I did without hesitation. And it, yeah, um, it's, it's something to do with other women as well and there's a real bond between women and these things are handed down like they very much were to me from my grandmother and my aunt and my sister and my mum and there's a continuity it's an, an emotional continuity in that that then has now spread out through social media and when I first got on social media it was through sewing previously as I said my only friend Donna sewing was something I could do when my boys were very very small I could be in the room doing something for myself or something an act of creative activity while they were crawling around on the floor um, being careful of the pedal and things like and the pins and things like that but it was something I could do when I was with them because I found it really hard to be with you know little babies and as it turned out my first baby was quite demanding it turned out that in the end that he was autistic but I was able to be with him but doing something and it was, you know, it was often hard, long hours with, with that. So being able to do something for myself, as it were, without actually leaving the room was really important. And when uh, social sewing started, that connection between women is just something that's very nourishing. You know, we have such a long history of women sharing this between them that there's that line of passion that goes through and understanding and compassion because you never need compassion like when you're taking your measurements. <laughs> It's like self-compassion. And other other sewists ask for, ask for your compassion when they list their measurements or when they list the kind of adjustments that they've made. And that's a beautiful thing. And to have that come into your everyday life is really special. I don't know how else you can do that with something that's just a hobby. I mean, sewing is my hobby and I call it that because my work is, is me. But it's more than a hobby. It's an interest in its activity and its creative exploration as far as I'm concerned, and just another extension of my artwork and of making things. And I get really nice things to wear. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's great to see you again. Thanks for asking me. It's really nice to see you too. Same here. See you later. This episode of So Over 50 podcast on So Organised Style was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Rosie, sound by bensound.com listeners please direct message judith and sandy at sober 50 to give them your support for the sober 50 account as you know judith is undertaking some interesting research that i know you'll want to help her out with 
If you have time, also let Judith and Sandy know how you'd like to support Sober 50 behind the scenes this year. Sober 50 Live for Sober 50 account with Bird and Molly continues this year. You can subscribe to Soul Organized Soul Podcast, but with an S not a Z on all good podcast apps. If you are a YouTube person, a library of Soul Organized Soul Podcasts are being loaded onto the YouTube account with a few visuals to really show you what we're chatting about. Make sure you go back and listen to our free Sober 50 Podcast archive. And if you can, consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.